Yes, because uh, those of you who don't know, uh, I think most of you do, we're having work here done. Uh, what has happened is they've taken the ceiling away and they've replaced the ceiling now, which is good news, and there's board up there and I guess someone has to come and plaster and paint, I'm assuming, but that's where we are now. But you know what? Everything looks nice and neat and tidy, doesn't it, on the outside? You notice that? There's nothing, you know, it's just all sealed off and everything's nice. Look inside there. And it's a complete and utter mess. That's what we have in common with the renovations that are going on in this building at the moment. And it's wonderful because on the outside, most of you guys, well, in fact, all of you, look spectacular, nice and neat and tidy. But, you know, there's stuff going on inside of us that's a bit messy at the moment. Uh, and we can't see it. But you know the great thing about our God is he actually doesn't care about the outside. Well, he, he does a little bit. But that's not the most important part for him. It's what's going on inside. And the mess is actually okay with him because he's right there in the middle of that mess. And he's helping us get through that mess. So I just want to encourage you this morning that if you're thinking, you know, I'm really wonderful on the outside, but on the inside you're really struggling, don't worry, because God's there with you. Um, so uh, what do we need to do? We need, yes, I missed this last uh, month, but on the third Sunday of every month, to go along with our word grow for 2019, we are measuring two of our children. And we need to get them up to six foot by the end of the year. Otherwise, we have failed and we're a useless church. So what we need to do is we need to measure James and Xavier. And parents, would you accompany them? Looks like, looks like, yes, there we go. Now, this has been two months, so I'm expecting huge results. Shrunk? <laughs> Michael, what are you doing with your child? <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're neglecting to feed your child again, aren't you, Michael? Oh, we're having problems. Okay. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Oh, that's good. Really? <laughs> so we see any any signs or just a little bit okay 
All right, guys. So you know what you need to do in the next remaining months of the year? You've got to grow. Because your growth will demonstrate how much we've grown spiritually. My, my, my job depends on you. <laughs> oh, the credible, yes, okay, all right, where were we? Ah, uh, holidays, that's where we are. Holidays, there we are. We're, uh, everyone's going on at the holidays now, and people are coming back from holidays, and, uh, but it's the time for holidays, and we look forward to them, don't we, because they're restful times, and they're, they should be restful times. And they're happy times. And holidays are really important. Kids, you tell me the best holiday you've ever been on. I don't have a favorite. You don't have a favorite. All of them are great. Okay, what about the rest of you? What about, what about Chloe? Chloe, can you remember a holiday? That was a special holiday? I'll come back to Christmas. Oh, sorry. You know when I say holiday, I'm, I'm thinking, sorry, I'm thinking England here. Vacation. You know, we call them holidays, but holidays here are... So like where you pack up and go somewhere. Xavier? London and France. Okay, London is great. Um, <clears throat> what about you, James? What was your favorite holiday? Singapore. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's exotic. Exotic. Anyone, Chloe? Seaside, Oregon, yeah, you've just been there, this, and that looked fabulous. Yes, Nicholas, what was your best holiday? Going to Bowen Island. I love Bowen Island. It's fabulous. Warren, what about yours? Going to France when I was three years old. Going to France when you were three years old, yeah. Okay, um, <coughs> that's fabulous. <laughs> France is, is one of my favorite countries. It really is. It really is. Um, so it's great. We all enjoy holidays. What I enjoy about holidays is actually the planning of the holidays. Who enjoys planning holidays here? Yeah, there has to be one in the family that, that enjoys the planning. Um, you know, when you're sort of, you're working out. And, and what I uh, tend to do, I spend hours Pouring over reviews. You know, if, you, if we go to a hotel or a bed and breakfast or a resort or whatever, you go on to TripAdvisor. Um, and they can be generally useful and informative, but except you have to be careful because there are false reviews out there. And I remember researching, we, we went to uh, Rome, and before we went there, I was finding the number one restaurant in Rome uh, on TripAdvisor. It was a lunch place, and it seemed to have a bit of everything, but all the reviews were amazing. You know, must visit here. A trip to Rome would not be complete without tasting their salami. Five stars. So I thought, okay, kids, we've got to go here. So the six of us, we... Uh, we uh, rushed around Rome, uh, down all these little side streets, and we must have walked for miles in the midday heat to find this lunch spot. And then we turned the corner and we went down this little alley, and there it was. It was this 
run-down shack that basically sold day-old meat sandwiches. It was a poor man's subway. And that, apparently, was the best restaurant in Rome. So you have to be really careful. Another reason to be careful with reviews is that people sometimes write, who write the reviews can never be satisfied. They're always going to complain. I found this website this week that collects the funniest uh, vacation complaints. Here are a few. One tourist was unhappy about enjoying cocktails on their holiday. The water tasted funny, so I had to drink cocktails all week. Now I can't remember half my holiday. (laughs) It's a complaint. Another traveler was left pretty unimpressed by this historic monument. The Great Wall of China is too long, and it's really run down and old. Okay, And there was one unhappy parent who complained, my plane journey was a disappointment as the sky was too cloudy, obstructing my children's view of the sea and ruining in our game of I Spy. One, I know, so these are, these are true. One holiday maker was irate after, uh, no, so uh, where are we? One traveler complained. We bought Ray-Ban sunglasses for five euros from a street trader only to find out they were fake. (laughs) One one holiday maker was irate after they forked out a lot of money for a hotel in London. Our London hotel didn't have an ocean view. (laughs) And we couldn't find the beach. Those of you who know, London is about 35 miles from any sea. (laughs) A cruise company received an entertaining complaint with one couple wanting a full refund. We usually come off our cruises having put on at least a stone in weight. We've come off this holiday having put on nothing at all. It's It's just not good enough. A picky holiday maker moaned, on my holiday to India, I was disgusted to find that almost every restaurant served curry. (laughs) I don't like spicy food at all. (laughs) This this one is a little mind-boggling. The beach was too sandy. We had to clean everything when we we uh, returned to our room. Beach is too sandy. And this is from a British woman who complained to her travel operator that her Barcelona holiday was ruined by too many Spanish people. The receptionist spoke Spanish. The food was Spanish. There's too many foreigners now live abroad. That last one, in, in particular, is, is amusing, and yet it's quite disturbing, yeah. isn't it? The complainer is saying that their holiday was ruined because of people who are not like them. And unfortunately, this view of not accepting those who are different 
or those from different cultures or beliefs or backgrounds has come into focus, hasn't it, by recent uh, utterings and recent events. Yeah. yeah. And that is why I'm interested to receive our third postcard. See, we knew we'd get there. Our third postcard of our series this morning. If you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you'll know that we're receiving postcards this month at City View, not the physical ones, but the spiritual postcards. We get to hear what God is doing in people's lives, to hear how God has moved and is moving, and sometimes to hear of that person's search for God during desert times. It's a time when we get to connect with the deeper life of someone. We've received two postcards so far. The first one from Daphne, who spoke about her struggles with pain and disappointment and frustration as she battled her physical issues. And yet through it all, she said, I was able to see God's blessings in it and that God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And then last week, we heard Laura's postcard where she talked about how our plans are not generally God's plans, but how through the disappointments and surprises, God is always working and always working out his good and perfect plan for us. And so we come to the third postcard. It's being delivered by someone who lives and works every day with folk that are different to her. How do we deal with that? How can we show the love of Jesus and his compassion to those we struggle to understand? How do we cope with diversity? Well, I haven't got a clue, so Tanya, why don't you come and tell us how we do that? Share us your postcard. You want this maybe? Everybody, uh, so Trevor uh, delivered half my sermons, so I will uh, go straight to the game. Okay, uh, I did prepare a postcard for you on the topic of diversity, and I have a multimedia presentation. Um, actually, I don't want to use this because I don't know what comes next. Pardon me. No, I want to see the screen but I don't want to unplug it. Yeah. Okay, now way closer to me, because I'm old. And all the way up to the top. I don't know how to do that. Okay, anyway. uh, So we're going to start off getting you thinking about diversity, even though Trevor gave away half the answers, uh, by playing a game called uh, Snowball. And here's how it works. Uh, Someone like Xavier and maybe Andrea, although Andrea can sit and relax, is going to hand out a lot of paper. And, uh, okay, back up, Tanya. Let me check my script. All right. You need, like, three pieces of paper minimum. Yeah. (laughs) And while they're handing out your things, can you take a minute and look around and smile at someone who is not in your family? Make it awkward. Okay. (laughs) 
Okay. Awesome. I'm going to make you talk to people who aren't in your family. So smile at them again and be like, yeah, I got you. Okay. You good? All right. Good. Enemy is helping. All right. Now, here's what I want you to do with the paper. I want you to talk to the people you smiled at or other ones. And I want you to imagine what the heck I'm going to talk about today. You know I'm talking about diversity, and I've got a nice little visual to get you going, but what do you think diversity conversations are actually about? So here's your question. What makes people different? And on your piece of paper, I want you to talk first. Actually talk. Get answers from other people. And then I want you to write down at least three different things that you would say are different. So if Andrea and I were looking at each other, we're like, well, what makes you different from me? And what would be the first thing we write down? Shoe size. Obviously, shoe size. (laughs) Okay? I'm giving you time, so talk. It'll be noisy. And then I'll I'll tell you when to stop talking. Different background, yeah. 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 I'm ready now. We're different color as well, aren't we? Different color. I don't want to. What makes people? Yeah, you can go talk to people now. Okay, quick interruption. Don't worry, you're allowed to talk again. I just want you to be quiet for a sec. Five, four, three, two, one. What you're going to do as you start writing stuff down is you're going to ball it up and you're going to throw it at at near me. Okay? Oh. Oh, you're here. It's called snowball. What you do is you throw your ideas at near me. And uh, uh, so soon I should start to see snowballs flying, okay? Go on, keep talking. What else? Different religion. No, I wasn't listening either. One idea per paper. Throw them up here, come on. Come on. Yeah, yeah. That's why you have three pieces of paper. (laughs) Oh, that's fine. Throw it at me. All right. (laughs) I only have three snowballs. For this to work, I need like 30. Write down your ideas and throw them at me. Okay, we're getting better. (laughs) Thanks, Jameson. I want you to note that my husband actually landed his snowball right on my microphone. Yeah. I know a lot of these have three ideas on them already, I know. Okay. Um, can, are there any kids that are interested in, in opening these up with me and reading them? 
Xavier said he'd help. Yeah. Warren's coming. Does, does anyone else want to come up and, and open them with me? Sarah? No? No? All right, Xavier, let's go. You have one minute left. That's it. Last minute. It's not good sitting in the front row, you know. <laughs> okay. Next one. Sorry, Jameson. Sorry. Come on, Jameson. Oh, you got me too. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Time's up. Last snowballs are coming in, but you're not going to talk anymore. Thank you, Uncle. <laughs> So what makes us different? I, I'm not going to get all super, like, uh, tally-ish about it. I love the snowballs. <laughs> awesome. What makes us different? Where we were brought up. Our language. Whether we work. The food we eat. How we dress. Our background. Worldview. And maybe genetics, although I have a feeling there's another piece of paper that has genetics on it. I need more kids to... (laughs) Ah, clothing, shoes, thank you. We wear different things. Jobs, we have different jobs. We're at different stages of life. We... This just says etiquette. I could talk an entire day on etiquette. <laughs> I love you, City. This one says who we love. Different countries. Different color. So, like, my favorite color is orange and yours is blue. <laughs> Although, actually, I think they were talking about skin. Uh, I have no idea. I'll get to that in a sec. Hey, look, genetics. Black hair, hair on chin, like me, eye color, age. I do want to try this one. Prescription glasses. I think this person needs them. Uh, (laughs) Place of birth and, I don't know, (laughs) ethics. We live in different places. We have different types of meals. Oh, my goodness, these are so good. What is funny, this person is, um, I want to be closer friends with you. They have the same (laughs) writing. Those are very good. How talkative they are. Etiquette, what is considered polite. Culture, political views, language. Gender. Are you getting it? Are we missing (laughs) anything? How many siblings we have? We are doing them all. I know it's painful, but it's very (laughs) thought-provoking. Differing experiences. Hygiene. (laughs) so good right (laughs) language clothing food where you were brought up language food whether you work appearances dress values background upbringing appearance genetics gender building I love some of you wrote your name on them and I'm trying not to yell your name out (laughs) clothing what's this say different gender where you were brought up, language, where you work, food, appearance, dress. Chorus two, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour. Oh. <laughs> Different DNA. 
prescription glasses. Oh, <laughs> oh, this is so good. Can't remember the last time they went camping. <laughs> Where they were born, hair color, gender, eye color. <laughs> Dance moves. <laughs> Whether you believe in democratic autonomy or autocratic rule. Different age. Different parents. Age. Are we almost there? I feel like we should be close now. Curly hair. Light numbers. Needs prescription glasses. Uh, nope. Education. I got one word on that. Education, personality, gender, age. Computers. Could you imagine what we're talking about with diversity in regards to the word computers? <laughs> Age, fitness level, <laughs> your summer plans, whether you're a business owner, how many kids you have, backgrounds, beliefs, religions. Age, shoe size, finally. <laughs> look, look. That, was, that was my giveaway. Shoe size. <laughs> you guys are amazing. And now I know all your handwriting, life experience, family, status yeah pride born in a different place age hair color eye color oh yeah this one again I think it means like if you're a camper or not all right we're done what ah culture of origin culture of choice capacity for spiciness <laughs> gender what festivals you celebrate camping outdoors spice again <laughs> this one says spicing mild and whether you're retired thank you so much for your help you get it right I've gotten you thinking now about all the ways that we're different even right here in City View we're all in Canada we're speaking English most of you understand my English but we're all different and so Thanks for throwing pieces of paper at me. I'm going to tell you three stories from this year uh, to help you understand my thoughts on diversity. Uh, so the first one is about my school. Uh, a lot of you know I teach high school, um, and mostly the kids come from different countries. And uh, a lot of those words on those snowballs start to make sense, right? Different country, different language, um, different birth story. Um, but in my class, of course, I've got students who also have different edu educational histories. A lot of them hadn't gone to school before they got to Canada, and, and their first formal school experience is with me in a high school, being teenagers, learning English, and also learning how to write some sort of alphabet or representative script for the first time. There's a lot of differences in my job. And uh, I've told stories here about some of the things that have been really hard uh, in working with my students, because uh, it's not an easy job. Sometimes I say it's like solving a million little mysteries every day. These um, misunderstandings that we have are, they're constant. And my students and I, we, un we misunderstand each other a ton. And it can be um, usually based on something you saw here. For example, the etiquette one. Imagine 
even right now, as I'm talking to you, if someone thought that the best thing to do would be to start up a conversation in full voice. And, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm here talking to a group, and the group is expecting to hear from me, but how do I deal with the people, probably my father, who are s- starting to talk <laughs> in a full voice, right? There's something in there, right? There's some diversity of opinion about how etiquette is going to work in a given situation. It's hard work. Um, So I come home often and sort of flop in the kitchen and go, my job is really hard, like that, and people get tired of listening to it. And it's, it's diversity. That's what tires me out at work, is I've got a huge range of opinions, uh, ex- expectations, and um, like, what do you call that? What you bring with you to it. It's not baggage, but it's what you bring with you wherever you go, and that that plays out, right? So it can be our expectations, or it can be our um, our hopes, our distractions. All of that is is every day in my class, and eventually, and sometimes, I teach them a word or how to properly write the letter B or how to pronounce something well. And if I'm really lucky, I teach them something really cool like how a plant grows. Or um, if I'm really, really lucky, I teach them something about our values at school, right? Well, I understand that this is what you're thinking about how it is, Phil, because you want to sit and have a long conversation with the person while we have our... Our thing. However, we value order and structure and paying attention to the person with the microphone, right? But it's really, really hard. It's really, really exhausting. And so, point number one, diversity is exhausting. Do I have that here? Oh, okay, there's you talking. Diversity is exhausting. Because who gets to define what is reasonable? Who... Who gets to... Think about the notion of common sense. Like, oh, it's just common sense. You're going to... What, right? Like, I get the common sense argument at me a lot. Like, Tanya, do you not have any common sense? Why are you doing that, right? But who gets to define common sense? What is common, right? So we could say here at City View, we're pretty diverse people, and we, we have a bit in common. But what is that common sense? That unifying... We are all going to agree on at least this basic level of, of what? Of, yeah, like, I, usually you know what it is, it's behavior, it's deportment, right? Like when we're, when we're trying to cope with someone else's behavior and it's different and you realize, wow, you're behaving in that way, I'm very curious about why you're doing that. I'm going to imagine it must be something about how you're background, your beliefs, your expectations are different from mine. Do you know how exhausting it is to constantly have to just be curious every time you see an unexpected behavior? It's like, wouldn't it just be great to say, oh, for Pete's sake, stop it. Someone's, <laughs> someone must it. you're doing it my way, get over it. What is that, right? Like, anyway, it's exhausting. All right, number two which is not exhausting. Uh, Now I'm going to talk about the commune. That's the odd word that I've made up for what I call home this year. So you know that Andre and I sold our apartment a year ago, 
and we um, bought a place with mom and dad. So if you haven't been over yet, let me tell you what goes on in this super beautiful half duplex. We've got me. I'm the rule maker. Yeah. We've got Andre. Hubba, 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 hubba. He's, a, he's Andre. We're not very similar, though, right? Like, okay, blue eyes, brown hair, noisy. But otherwise, I wouldn't say we're actually very similar. Uh, we've got dad and mom. I know they both look like reformed hippies, but they're not very similar, right? Okay. Uh, we've got um, right. we've got Warren and Xavier. You just have to look at them. To, they're they're different people. To they receive do. from you. So even in those, we've in got Jesus. like this. Um, what do you call them? What do you call it when people are afraid of people? Introverted. I didn't mean. Sorry, I didn't mean afraid <laughs> of people. But we've got an Far introverted twenty-one-year-old in the house. Maybe if you came over, you never saw him. And four cats. There's a lot of diversity in our house. And if you don't believe me, I want you to just imagine, line all seven of us up here and tell us to clean the kitchen. <laughs> Can you imagine the diversity of opinion around what a clean kitchen is? Yeah? Yeah, it's diverse. Okay, and we do. We put up with each other. We, we make it work. Uh, and we have made it work. We all find our way. We all find our roles. And it isn't exhausting. It's a type of diversity that's actually quite life-giving. So according to the thesaurus, I'm allowed to say that diversity is exhilarating. Uh, yeah. Uh, it works. But it's because we all kind of agreed on a couple of basics that we all want to make it work. And so it's going to work, right? So... Diversity is exhausting, and it's sometimes exhilarating. And my third example, uh, I'm using a super extreme word, excruciating. Um, which uh, I guess all I really mean is, is that it's super painful or maybe heartbreaking. So my third story has to do with um, my visit to the CNBC annual conference. So... Um, uh, I did make a disclaimer. I think I sort of put it in and put it out. Oh, no. It's gone. I don't think I'm going to express any super out there views while I tell this story, but if so, I just want you to understand I'm speaking on behalf of me, not necessarily of the SLT or of the other three people I went to the CNBC conference with, even if we end up a little bit agreeing with each other. So, Anyway, so the CNBC, Canadian National Baptist Convention, um, I had never been to one of these conferences before, but we as a church had talked about it. The SLT had talked about it. We felt it was important this year for sure that people go. Um, and I stood right here and bumbled through why we thought that was important a few months ago. Um, there was the whole uh, proposal to change the statement of faith and some of the um, themes that were included in that change. So, But who did I go with, right? There's like a group of four of us. And how are we similar, right? I went with people from the West Coast, uh, Canadian-born. English is our first language. We're all university-educated. We're pretty close in age. We're all in the same generation. <laughs> Bumping along into here. And we all basically agreed with each other. We knew we were all going to go and vote no. Please, CNBC, do not adopt the statement of faith from uh, that is currently in place in the United States Baptist Association. Please don't. 
Um, but what I wasn't prepared for was the diversity at that conference. I mean, the people there, it was a, a room full of Canadian Baptists, so I just, I wasn't thinking. I'm like, well, I'm traveling with three Canadian Baptists right now. <laughs> uh, you know, and the people who were there didn't actually represent the full diversity of the Canadian National Baptist Association, for whom were a part of this association. Um, there were lots of opportunities for discussion. So what happened at this conference was, um, you know, like worship and what, who are we conversations and trying to equip workshops. But they also had multiple open mic opportunities. They asked people to come up, come out up to the microphone and ask, who do you think the CNBC is? What's the identity of this association? That was their warm-up, because they, they knew from many email conversations that there were people like us coming who wanted to <laughs> pick, pick a fight. <laughs> you know what? It's not pick a fight. <laughs> but... You know how the story ends, right? Like the please vote no thing was the minority opinion. 19% of the people in the room voted no, said please don't. The other 81 voted yes. And that was really hard to deal with. And, and it, it wasn't just, oh, you disagree with me. Okay, you actually you know what it was. Don't you think it would have been awesome if I could have gone there, gone up to the microphone, and just magically made everybody agree with me? <laughs> Wouldn't that make the world a better place if everybody was just more like me? Uh-huh. Or maybe this is, again, about diversity, about the diversity of experiences and opinions. I mean, there was this one lady at the conference who, having heard what... Um, well, it was, I, I spoke once, and Kristen spoke, I think, twice at the microphone, clearly, passionately, very clearly laid out why it is not uh, our opinion, it is not a good idea to adopt that new statement of faith. And uh, the lady came up, she says, you don't understand where I'm coming from on this. So like one of the issues, of course, is that the new statement of faith inserts language that um, really specifically delineates the role of women in church. So it very specifically says women are not going to be lead pastor. Women are welcome to use their, their, their gifts, but we're not going to pay them to be a lead pastor. Uh, that was so clear. And this woman, when she came to talk to us, she said, you don't understand where I'm coming from. You don't understand my history in my church and why I voted yes. I wanted this change in the statement of faith. And she had a huge reason for her. Um, and it's actually not the point of my sermon to go into it, but there's a bit of curiosity, so I'll tell you quickly, and if you don't understand, I'll tell you later. She basically, she said, you know, in where their church is, I don't know, imagine like rural Alberta, okay? I, I honestly don't remember. And she said... In our church, the old statement of faith, which was more widely interpretable, like open to interpretation, um, their church had for generations interpreted that to mean that women can't serve anywhere. So in that church, they had only ever hired men uh, to do uh, ministry positions. And she said, this opens it right up. Because we voted yes today, I can go to my church and say, look, our association says you're only allowed to limit the lead pastor position. And she, she really wanted us to stop arguing about this. Because for her, 
She just had a completely different experience from me. It was diverse. It was still heartbreaking because I still believe in what I believe and I'm still sad that the vote went wrong. But what do I do about all the people who are different from me? So that's that. Three stories. Uh, oh, I got them. Oh, Dad. I don't know what I did. He's fixing the PowerPoint. Okay, now the second, um, real quick, I'll go through this. The question is, what do you do with diversity? So I was brainstorming, how do people deal with diversity? And I hope you find yourself in one of these. Some people avoid diversity, right? I know I do that when I'm super tired. That's, that's pruning your Facebook feed, right? So you could just friend everybody you've ever met and let their opinions fly on Facebook, or you could like mute people. Like, oh God, another pro-Trump person, mute, right? <laughs> I do this, I full on do this. Like, oh, I made friends with that person, but politically we are very different, mute. I don't read their opinions on Facebook because I'm not going on Facebook to engage deeply, right? I'm, I'm scrolling for jokes and family updates. Mute, right? Got a got a friend I love dearly who has some really specific beliefs uh, about gender and sexual orientation that you know they're they're so um, I don't know I, I find them hateful personally but that's just my opinion and we have a diversity of opinion what do I do engage her on Facebook no mute I'm avoiding diversity right and I think we do that. Um, some people try to ignore it uh, and think back to that Michael jo Jackson song from the 90s, right? Where he's like, I wish everybody were just colorblind, right? He's trying to say, why is racial diversity such a big issue? Why can't we all just be colorblind? I don't see your color. We're all equal in God's eyes, so I don't see your color. That's ignoring diversity, right? That's saying, oh, yeah, you just keep on that right there. All right, uh, Dad's going to do my PowerPoint for me. Um, if you say that, okay, let's not do color. Let's, let's think about the, um, the evil people at the Fiskars factory who designed scissors, okay? And they're like, you know what? I'm going to make a great pair of scissors. I'm going to make a big hole for your fingers. I'm going to make a little hole for your thumb. I'm going to make it molded to your hand. These are going to be great scissors. They're ignoring diversity, and they make these great scissors. Uh, does anybody know where I'm going with this? Okay. <laughs> what about those left-handed people, okay? Look at these scissors. Oh, yeah. oh sorry. They, they suck, okay? <laughs> left-handed people cannot use these scissors, okay? <laughs> Preach. Makes me angry to even think about it. But we do that. We do that with... Um, with diversity when we ignore it. We're just pretending that everybody's the same, and so everything we do, we apply to this, like, leveled out um, world, and the world is not leveled out. So whatever that thing is you've created, like the pair of stupid scissors, <laughs> isn't going to work for certain people. But we do that, right? Sometimes we ignore diversity for reasons, and I, I still do it sometimes too, but... Uh, another one is, is when we try to mold difference. So um, this is one that, uh, 
Have you ever heard someone say, oh, but we're all made in God's image? Yeah? Oh, okay, good. I like the, the thought that God set out to make humanity in his own image. But I just even said his own image. And I think that when you consider this, we're all made in God's image thing, that you have to necessarily, by the limitations of your human mind and my human mind, make an image for God. Because we've got limited imaginations, right? And so if you say we're all made in God's image, imagine who God is. And what does that look like, right? And so um, I think often we just kind of default to who we are, right? So I could say uh, we're all made in God's image, and God is a middle-class married white woman with two kids, right? Oh, let's throw in some cultural training, right? Because I have spent years in cultural training and singing songs like I chose today that say God is he, so I guess middle-class white man with two kids. But uh, do you, you get what I'm getting at, right? When we say we're all made in God's image, we limit what was possibly meant by that idea because the only thing we can do is apply what we know to what we're trying to understand. And simply by doing that, we limit who we can truly understand because we can say you know what we're all made in God's image you must be like me I'm in God's image wait a minute you're not like me what's different about you hmm that must not be in I mean I'm going crazy we don't always do this but I've seen it done and I've had it done to me that must not be in God's image you know what I need to change you to be more like me so that you can be more godly did I explain that okay I said two nods so I'm moving on (laughs) it's tricky but I think we do it I think every time we go, wow, you look like you're struggling, or I can see that you're doing something that's mildly offensive. I'd like you to to become more like me, please. (laughs) Right? I want you to be more godly. Well, what's God like? Well, we're made in God's image. God's like me. It's in there. Okay, this is thought-provoking, and I hope you think about it. Um, It's at the core of what I'm up to, and I don't have it figured out. So what do we do about diversity? We can ignore it. We can try to pretend it's not important. We can try to mold it. But what does it mean to try to accept or even embrace diversity? Because that's what my postcard is really right now. It's, uh, it's a puzzle because I'm working really hard to embrace and work within diversity in my various environments, at home, at school, and within our um, life as, as Christians and it's exhausting and it's exhilarating and it's excruciating uh, and sometimes I do just kind of walk away or hide my head and sometimes I do try to make people more like me but yeah I'm not positive it's the, the way to go I've been really thinking about it in regards to being Christian because uh, we have a really specific faith. We believe uh, that there is a specific line from humankind to God, right? By saying you're Christian, you're saying, I believe that Christ um, died and that the path to God is through accepting Christ's death. That there's a particular story. And you know what? That story is rooted. It's rooted geographically. It's rooted culturally. And it's tricky. I mean, I'm a 
Christian teacher of a room full of mostly Muslim students, right? So when we're talking about values or uh, what's right and wrong, um, like where, where's the common ground, right? It's tricky. So actually, I didn't come up with an answer. <laughs> I actually wrote right here. I don't have a fancy closing, but I did want to tell you what I was thinking about right now, and that is how we treat each other. So I'm going to leave you with Christ's commands, and it's up here. How do you handle difference? If you go, I think I went through all these. Christ said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so with my postcard, I wanted to ask you how... How are you viewing that neighbor? When you say you're going to love your neighbor, what, what does it mean to love them? Are you ignoring them? Are you colorblinding them? Are you trying to mold them into you? Or, or can you actually love them as they are? So, thank you. That's great. Thank you. In fact, Tanya has sort of said everything I was going to say at the end. So, uh, <laughs> so you've, you've, you, you, you've, nicked, you've nicked mine. Except that <clears throat> Paul wrote to the church in Rome. This church in Rome was really diverse. There were Greek, there were, Gen- um, there were Jews, there were Gentiles, there were slaves, they were free. All this hodgepodge of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul wrote to them, accept one another. Accept one another. How? Well, then he says, just as Christ accepted you. You see, I think one of the things we need to remember when we look at someone who is different from us, how does God view them? How does God view us? We are so different. How on earth could God accept me? I am prideful. I want my own way. I want to do things this way and that way. And Christ says, I'm going to accept you forever. And you know what? I'm going to die for you. That's how much I'm going to accept you and welcome you. And uh, so that is how we're called to accept those that are different to us. Just as Christ accepted us. So we don't view them maybe as this irritating, really awful person who we really don't understand. We see them as a child of God. Someone who is created in his image, whatever that might be. So I think uh, it is hard. It's so hard. We live in a world. We live in a world that is becoming more um, diverse. And we're tending, what happens is we tend to sort of make camps, don't we? We believe that. We believe this. And And then we fear what we don't understand. 
And that's what's happening in our world today. And yet Christ is so countercultural when he came and said, no, accept one another as I accept you. Thanks, Tanya. Let's pray. Father, I think one of the things we need to remember is how much you love us, how much you forgive us, how much grace and mercy you show us in our sin and in our guilt. Uh, And Lord, if we can just grasp that, then you call us to love others in the same way. However hard that may be, Lord, I pray for those of us who struggle with people around us that are different from us. We don't understand them. We, we lack patience. Father, would you give us supernatural grace, mercy, love, compassion, patience with those people? Those people that really wind us up because they say really uh, different things to us. And we don't understand them. Lord, would you give us your grace? The grace and mercy that you show us. And help us to be Christ to those people. Help us to love those that are different to us in the way that Christ loves us. Father, thank you for Tanya. Thank you for her witness to us. Thank you for the job that you've given her at the school. Father, be with her. May she... Uh, Be Christ to those kids uh, that she teaches. Father, thank you for the family that she's in. And may she be Christ in that household uh, as well. Thank you, Father, for uh, your word in Jesus' name.